Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. right welcome everybody hello everyone so today we are going to talk about a very special and a very close topic to my and megan's heart so this is astasani and i have megan jacku joining me today at itsp podcast and we are going to talk about transforming cyber communities with a data centric approach before we actually start off with our conversation let's get started with our little bit about us, our introductions, and then we are going to head towards the topic. So, hi again, this is Astasani. I currently work as a Azure technical trainer at Microsoft. I'm also the founder and a board chair for BBVIC Foundation, which is focused on promoting women in cybersecurity and leadership within the industry. I'm also the founder of Cyber Preserve, which focus on providing mentorship to individuals who are starting off or they are pivoting their career within cybersecurity. I'm also part of the OWASP Global AppSec Review Board and Ambassador at Sneak. And without any further ado, I'm going to pass it off to my partner in crime today, Megan Jekku. Hi, everyone. This is Megan. Um, really great to be here with you all. Um, and I'm a huge fan of podcasts, so excellent to be on this one. I'm a security engineer with Inspective. We are a smaller org that focuses on um, pen testing and continuous testing, um, basically helping people find issues. I do service delivery and research on vulnerabilities, which I love to do that research side of things. And I'm also a board chair for academics and research with BBWIC um, with ASTA. And I help out with a lot of different cyber orgs, for example, with Diana Initiative. Um, I help them out with a variety of different things, including social media. And then I'm a CFP review board member for multiple organizations, such as OWASP, Day of Security, Diana once again, um, SANS. And so it's really a great ple pleasure to get to research and review things and help people get feedback. And I just enjoy that kind of mentorship side of things from an academic perspective. So. We're going to talk um, in our next slide about like why we're actually here, like what are we doing today? So we have an agenda for this. Um, it, we're going to be talking about some community challenges that exist. We did some research about um, what people are experiencing themselves. So we're going to get into that research survey, who participated, what our findings were. And then we're going to go into some parts about um, international survey respondents. Um, so right now, Asa and I are speaking to you from the United States, but we had respondents from all over the world, which was fantastic. Um, and then we'll discuss like where we see different pieces with career, career pivots and lateral movements, even like once you're already in cybersecurity, if you want to pivot over to another side of things. And then getting back to that international piece to it, conferences and travel, right? Um, so Asla and I've met up at a variety of conferences um, over time, and we're um, also here again at RSA in 2023. So it's great to get to do that travel, but how do you actually do that? Um, and so we'll talk through some of the issues that we see, the, the potential solutions, and what we think like are questions to ponder and key takeaways that exist. Next slide. So, you know, starting with that question, like why, why are we here today? Why are you listening today? 
well, we, we hope that you, like us, um, believe that uh, diversity is a really critical and essential piece to having strong teams in cybersecurity. And we know that a lot of progress has been made, but there's still a lot of barriers that exist to people who are underrepresented. And so we wanted to dig into some of those barriers that exist, discuss some solutions for those, um, and think about how we're actually measuring that. So really digging into data and how we can build um, a measure-based practice. So it's not just, you know, we're gonna talk about a bunch of ideas and then do nothing. No, it's like, talk about your, your ideas, discuss your problems, compare them with other people too, and then think through, well, how can we measure this to see if we were actually efficacious in what we were hoping to encounter? Next slide, and I'll pass it off to Asla. Thank you, Megan. And I would like to just add, as, as Megan talked about, why are we here today? And as beautifully she, she shared the topic that we have, we have been working on diversity, we have been working on growth and development, and not just around women, but uh, diversity as a whole. However, still, there are those buckets of challenges which which comes in different parts of DNA, equity, and equality, which still needs to be catered. And some of the challenges as as a survey that we both of us run, so some of the major challenges that we come across were, especially were across like around women were travel, research, contributions, upscaling, and doing those vast pivots between cyber roles. So as we walked through the survey and the research, and one of the beautiful things uh, Megan also mentioned was not only we actually ran this survey to come across, okay, what challenges are still in place and in what numbers, we are also here to talk about how we have measured them, of course, as part of our survey across the globe. And um, since we are in the United States uh, currently, however, we run this survey for everybody across the globe, and we have got some amazing, amazing responses. So we are going to walk through that, and in the end, we are going to come with some potential solutions and how we can take them as part of our next steps. So starting with our surveys that we run, it was a survey that we run like for probably 10 days, and we are super, super grateful that we got some 76 responses across the globe. We had 59 participants from underrepresented group, and the top survey participants they came from United States, America, United States of America, India, and Australia. So these were the three major countries we got our responses from. We covered a couple of things in this in this in the survey. So we talked about our research participation, which is still the biggest challenge we often talk about around women international travel requirements for international conferences. So COVID, uh, when it actually came and the world turned into virtual, there were global participation across the globe in terms of virtual participation. But now, as we are heading back to in-person conferences, how we are going to overcome the challenge of that diversity of people who joined as participants or volunteers. Coming back to cyber security, it's a vast industry. So we have also talked about lateral growth within different areas of cyber, which is definitely an important topic because as cybersecurity professionals, one of our major aim is to continue to grow in the industry and not just in one area, but throughout the 360 degree view of the uh, cybersecurity industry. So we had our top participants, as I said, uh, you can 
I have a, a visual view of this. We are we had our top participants from um, India. We had our top participants from uh, United States, and one of them was Australia. So we had these top countries participating with us. In like in addition to India, uh, United States, and Australia, we also had participants from Canada and other parts of the world too. And thank you so much. We are so much grateful for your participation. And I'm going to hand it over back to Megan to talk about some of the research survey that we run. Yeah, thank you, Asta. So we were just speaking about some of the, the demographics and the parameters of the study, right? So we shared with you, you know, how many people we had participating, um, some of the countries that those folks were from. But we also wanted to share um, digging further into the results. Um, so one of the questions that we had asked, we actually had several questions about this asking in a variety of different ways. Um, were about what challenges people face when they're trying to conduct research, when they're trying to publish research, when they might be trying to um, have a white paper that gets sent out. So like, what are some of the things that they're experiencing that are leading them to not participate as much as they might potentially like to? And so uh, some of the different things that we heard back uh, were that sometimes it can be very difficult to access data. It can also be quite expensive to devote the time and resources to conducting research as well. Um, other people felt that they did not have the support that they needed. So it could be from like a knowledge perspective, it could be from an um, organizational perspective, um, it could be that they wanted to do studies that involved a lot of different um, human elements, maybe they weren't sure how to get um, ethical review boards um, to approve that, maybe they weren't affiliated with an academic institution. Um, another thing that we saw was um, people of color didn't feel like uh, they could get really involved, like they didn't see someone else who looked like them. And so it might be something where, you know, I'm not really seeing that representation there. And so I don't know if I can do that myself, which really ties into another piece that we saw as well, that people were responding that they it, people felt a lot of imposter syndrome um, in the sense of, you know, can I really do this? Am I up to this um, academically? Am I, is, are my thoughts worthwhile for someone to read and hear about? Um, and, and one of the things I always try to, you know, caution people with imposter syndrome is, you know, ask if you, if you end up knowing someone who's been in industry for a long time and you, you really get to know them, ask them if they've ever experienced imposter syndrome. And almost assuredly, they will tell you yes, and that they still experience it. And so it, when you learn that, it can be one of those things that can be really quite um, relieving because you might think to yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm not that far in my career and they're so much further than I am and they still experience it. And then I know Asla and I could both share stories about ourselves and experiencing imposter syndrome. So no matter who it is that you're speaking with, they probably have experienced imposter syndrome and they might currently be experiencing it. So it is something that many people experience. And so I really hope that that's something you can push against um, in order to move past that if, if that is a challenge for you for conducting research. Um, another thing that we might see is non-competes. So there could be um, restrictions around the way that you are able to do um, data and research. Um, one other one that we saw that kind of ties into an earlier one with it being expensive is that time piece, right? So um, how much time do you have to devote to it if this is like an outside project? And do you have the necessary mentorship um, that you might need? And a final one that um, people had mentioned was neurodiversity challenges. 
Um, and so that could mean many different things. Um, it, so it could be um, maybe someone has, is a person who has dyslexia and they're struggling to um, read through a variety of different articles in order to do a literature review and maybe they don't have the necessary accommodations for themselves um, in order to be able to access that information. So many different ways that that could be manifested. Um, but these are all different challenges that people supplied um, for us and they, they let us know that they were experiencing uh, in regards to conducting research. And we'll go on to the next slide. So another survey outcome that we were kind of interested into digging into was, you know, if you're already in industry, so you're already working, um, like I had mentioned earlier that I'm a security engineer, Asa had mentioned earlier that she is a technical trainer. Um, have you ever done a pivot within your career to another field of cybersecurity? It's, it's a very vast, um, you know, set of things that you can do in our industry. And so have people tried to laterally pivot? Are they thinking about it? If they have, um, have they been successful? So um, we have, if you're able to see the visuals along with this, um, we have two um, charts about this. So um, it, many people have thought about making a lateral pivot within cybersecurity. Um, it, so of our respondents, that was 64%, so a vast majority. Um, it, several did not think about it. And then a very small portion, 3.9% selected other in the sense that maybe they'd gone back and forth or they weren't sure, um, or they were not yet in the field. They were um, a, like a student currently. Um, and then we had a follow-up question that was, you know, if you've thought about this, how many of you have actually done this? Um, and so 20%, um, so um, it's still a decently high number, 20% said that they have um, actually made that move. Um, it, a very small, my like very small into the majority, so 51%, so just over majority, um, it said no, that they had not made that move. And then some people said it was not applicable to themselves, right? So it wasn't that they were trying to move or that they had gone through the process. So we just thought that was kind of interesting to think through that, you know, well, 64% of people said that they had thought about it, only 20% of people have actually made that move. And so then it can be interesting to further dig into, well, what are some of the issues that people ran into? And I'll pass that over to Asla for that. Thank you, Megan. And absolutely, these were some great, great points that we walked through and some of the results, I, I completely agree. They are, they are so interesting. And one of the things, as you just mentioned uh, in the slide was 64% said, yes, they want to make a pivot to cyber. and out of that 64, 20% were able to move, but 51% is somewhere saying no. And that's what we are going to further talk about in terms of challenges that comes when you try, like when individuals are trying to make a lateral pivot within cybersecurity. One of the biggest challenges they have found out is adding a new skills to resume because with each area in cybersecurity comes its own specialization in terms of tooling, product, maybe coding. So adding those new skills becomes a challenge like, okay, what, what are the top three skills that a recruiter or an organization might need to, like, say, hire someone? 
second most important thing was building experience and demonstrating that skills and i think this is this is one of the biggest challenges megan and i also agree we we have made those pivots but it it has never been easier i would say it has never been easier because building that experience on with your own learning and then demonstrating that skills and then convincing that you have those skills is i i would say the biggest challenge that we have uh, seen as in terms of response in the survey as well uh, another important factor that individuals have shared is there is lack of awareness and guidance and mentorship and why this is coming through as part of lack of awareness is many times individuals have no clue if they can make such pivot so i i have i have met people uh, within my friend circles where if we talk about making those pivots the very first question they might bring is can we really do this is it even possible or if it's possible i don't know what's the first step i can take should i start learning by myself uh maybe should i take a certification if not both then maybe i shadow uh different roles within the company what's what's the right way to come up with this and how to start with this and the next important challenge as as we proceed towards this journey of lateral like lateral pivots is appropriate salary many times and in the survey as well we have seen that people sharing their concern that if i have if i'm making a pivot from one area to another i was not getting the right salary and one of the biggest reasons uh, i have personally faced this as well is when you are making a pivot you are you are bringing your own experience to that area but maybe to the recruiter or the hiring team they may consider you as new and no one wants to move back mm -hmm. to a lower salary when you have like 7 to 8 years of experience so you you wouldn't want to do that and i think this is something um from recruitment perspective and how we share our jds to job descriptions uh, in terms of hiring i think this is a very very deep thought we have to start giving because people want to make pivots people want to understand cyber as whole and these salary factors and competition many time people say that why would someone hire me when we already have people working in this area then why me then why i become the most appropriate candidate so some of these challenges that we have come across in terms of lateral pivots are something really to ponder upon and how we can bring these solutions into place so that not only the organizations and the recruiters but also the individuals who are planning for these pivots are better prepared and they have the right guidance they have the access to right communities and resources to move forward with those lateral pivots and as we talk about these lateral pivots another important challenge that we have come across and me myself many times this has happened with me as well um as part of being in the cybersecurity industry and being heavily active in the community side and love for speaking and not only speaking but love for attending these conferences meeting our friends meeting our co colleagues across the globe travel and conference again become a, a major topic since uh corona or covid has has brought this world together in the last 3 years we we have kind of experienced uh, a change in our perspective in terms of diversity we have started to know more about different countries different cultures even though we were virtual and when it has come back to a point where we are moving towards the in person conferences again 
we actually put out a question and survey where, where we wanted to ask participants, are you familiar with international travel? If yes, then how, how much? So we got like literally close to 70% response, like 70% of our six responses that we have got, they have said, yes, I'm very much familiar with how international travel occurs. Many times you might need to apply for a visa. Many times it's a visa on arrival. So people are, do they are aware about this? 30% said, no, we are still figuring out how do we make those travel plans and how does this really happen? And when it comes to the real participation on these conferences, we have got like number between, if I'm not wrong, it's, it's somewhere between 55% or so who said that we were not able to participate in international conference and a very small number, 20% said that, yes, we are able to travel and uh, make that difference, meet people. But this wide difference of saying the yes to knowing that how international travel happens to actually making that travel is again the biggest hurdle. And this biggest hurdle is accompanied by travel cost. Like many times we have not just women, but we have overall diversity of people of any gender traveling throughout different countries for these conferences. But many times cost of travel stay becomes a question. Individuals, let's say, who are coming from developing countries, uh, they are looking for opportunities for scholarships. They are looking for opportunities if their travel can be covered or in if any ways their stay can be covered or if not both, they really want to know how this process works and how much time they can apply for visa and how much time this travel can practically happen and what support they can get in terms of the organizers or in terms of various women and diversity communities in place, how we can support them in those circumstances. So this was also a very interesting number that we received as, as in terms of participation and of course, in terms of conferences and travel. The next slide that we are heading towards is actually about those potential solutions. So Megan and I, we have walked you through some couple of challenges in terms of three major categories, which is research, lateral pivot, and travel and conferences. Now, though we have chosen a part of the bigger challenge in the industry right now, but among these, the majority ones, we have come up with some potential solutions or directions in which we as a community, as a global community, can start to work towards or work towards in order to increase, let's say, in terms of research, we should start building some research boards, some re research boards which are common to multiple communities. We have participants not just coming from different countries in a single community, but we also have cross-community participants who are collaborating through these research board, which can give, I think, birth to a variety of ideas. Many times we feel that we are only facing certain challenges, but when you come across those discussions and board, you start finding solution by joining hands together. When it comes to travel, how we can provide financial assistance how we can make people more about aware about scholarships. We do have certain conference scholarships in place, but many times individuals are not aware about them. And due to that, they cancel their plans or they don't even think about this. 
but we do have some scholarship in place in terms of organizers, in terms of communities who provide financial assistance and scholarships. So how we can make a centralized resource for creating this awareness so that individuals are more aware so that they can plan their travel better and they can take advantage, maximum advantage of networking, learning new things. And of course, travel can like change your perspective for life. So we would like to propose some of these uh, solutions. And for the rest of the two, I'm going to hand it over to Megan again. She'll talk more about them. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and one of the things I even just was reading about recently was that um, with inflation costs, uh, travel has been the most uh, increasing over the past quarter of 2023. So travel and costs do increase. So really helping build that awareness, um, kind of having like a bank of knowledge of these are orgs that if you speak at or you volunteer at, there's different stipends or um, kind of having that place where people can have all of that data at their fingertips can be really helpful. Um, speaking of other programs that we can work on, uh, we can also work on having a subject matter expert program. And so this could be an internal thing within your organization where you have people sharing out um, information about things that they have learned and studied. Um, it can be a way to cross train. Um, so you can have, you know, maybe people from an incidence response team are then training with um, your pen testers are then training with your blue team. And so you're having people share a variety of, of information points across um, different content areas, um, or it could be something that's external to an organization. It could be um, that you are part of a nonprofit or you're part of a educational organization and you want to bring in subject matter experts and, and provide that knowledge sharing with others. Um, and then our, one of our final solutions that we kind of came up with was really ensuring that whatever you're doing with diversity, it should have a clear purpose. It should have um, a mission behind it. It should have data behind it. It should have ways to track it. And so that's one of the things that we'll share out also. Um, one of the, uh, we'll have our slides, but we'll also have a resources section. And that walks through specific ways to um, start some of these programs, start some of these solutions we were mentioning and really add metrics behind it so that it's not just you're, you're doing something without intention, you're just doing something to do something. No, actually think through how you're going to implement it, how you're gonna measure it, how you'll know it was successful. Um, and so that's kind of bringing that purpose to it. Um, and then next slide. So as, as you're kind of walking through this, um, there's so many different ways to take this, but we, we really would love to have you bring back to us um, if, if this sparked anything for you um ideas and thoughts so here are a couple questions that you can ponder have you ever attempted any projects to increase inclusivity and as you think through like your attempts like like how did that go um it, was it successful did it meet um what you're trying to do um or is it something that got abandoned um you know in the next year because there um was not as much energy around it so kind of thinking through that um, inclusivity for long-term. Um, what were the outcomes and how did you measure your projects that you were doing? Did you have any metrics around them? Um, and, and so none of this with like any sense of like, oh, you're doing that poorly or anything. No, it's just more just to get you to think about what you were doing and, and have a reflection about it. Um, and then what ideas do you have or what ideas does your organization have for reducing barriers 
um, to help people um, and, and have a more inclusive cybersecurity community? So those are some questions that we came up for you to ponder. And then um, we'll be closing out pretty soon. Asta is going to go to the next slide and we've got four final next steps for us to cover. Thank you so much, Megan. Absolutely. Um, there are definitely questions to ponder upon after this discussion. And as through the survey, we have come across some of the ongoing challenges. It's it's very interesting to learn about these learnings and how we can turn them into some next steps and solutions. And one of them that we came up together were how can different communities come together? Because we not only have diversified communities within one same country like United States here, but we also have different women communities or diversity communities which are built out of LGBTQ plus and other underrepresented groups. So what all communities we have in different countries, how we can come up together and bring those challenges, learn about those challenges from a different perspective. So we all know that we have challenges, but it's important to know uh, with respect to a specific country, how they are differing. So it's it's important to uh, come together and bring those challenges together in one place and discuss about them and work towards a solution. How community members can play a role. And one of this is very interesting because often in communities, we, we have these, these uh, founders, we have these great strong teams running these communities together bringing opportunities, bringing things that can become effective and impactful for the growth of members. But imagine yourself as a member of a community, how you can make a change by paying back to the community. What all learnings that we have in place as part of community development, how we can pay back, how we can participate more, how we can question more, how we can become an integral part of communities by being a member and by bringing those changes for the rest of the members and the overall community. And I think that's that's very, very interesting. And the other two points that we are going to discuss is something Megan is going to brought to you and are definitely very closely related to the two points that I've talked about. Yeah, thank you so much. So how can we then identify global diversity challenges, right? So we, we brought up a bunch of challenges that we identified um, and kind of thought through and I uh, had survey data around. So what, what are some other challenges that exist? And it's not just one thing to come up with the challenges. We also want to formulate the solutions, um, which connects with a quote that we have here that um, I think is just absolutely perfect. So there's a quote by Betty Williams. There's no use talking about the problem unless you talk about the solution, right? And so that's so much of what we wanted to bring here was looking at data, seeing what people were saying were their issues, and then also stating these are some solutions, but then finding out from people who might be listening, like what are your ideas for solutions? And you know, like I had brought about before, the diversity with a purpose, right? So it's like, how can we make sure that we're executing a diversity with a purpose, that we have metrics around it, that we have a reason for what we're doing? Um, and so those are kind of our, our final next step questions to leave you with. And we really hope that you're able to soak this in um, think through it and bring back some ideas of your own and we'll go to our final slide. And so this is how you can follow up with us, um, both Asla and um, myself, Megan, we are reachable um, via social media. Um, it, we're fairly active. Um, you can find us by looking up by our first and last names on LinkedIn. I'm sure probably these links will be included too. 
Um, and then we're pretty active on other social media platforms as well. We're really happy to continue this conversation um, via um, messenger of these platforms or email. And we hope that everyone has a great rest of their day and rest of their week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Megan. I would also like to say a final goodbye and you will leave you all with a thought with these next steps. And as Megan said, we would love to connect. We would love to discuss more. If you apply some of these things or some of these ideas within your community and you have seen some impactful changes, we would love to hear. We would love to discuss more. So feel free to reach out to us. Uh, this is our email, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Megan has a Mastodon profile as well. So you can connect with us. And um, I also expect that this would, this, is, this is, would be something which would be shared as part of resources for this podcast. So we look forward to connecting with you. And thank you so much much for your time today. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and this story made you think, then share ITSP magazine with your friends, family and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our columns. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.